Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I got a little bonus episode here for you. I want to get into it quickly. It's the cast of Fear the Walking Dead. So, you know, you guys know I do these Walker Stalker conventions and it's it always feels like oh, I wish I could meld the two because I do the podcast and the convention and they feel very separate. And I kind of talk about it a little bit, but this one was really special. We're, we're covering Fear the Walking Dead right now, and we just had more cast members than we've ever had before on stage at a convention. So I asked James Frazier, who runs, you know, he owns this convention. He started it if I could publish this. And he said, yeah. So that was really nice of him. And I'm, I'm glad he did that. And so in return, I just want to give him a little promotion. Walker Stalker Con is really cool. Everyone who goes to these things has fun. If you're a fan of The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead, or they bring in other great shows, Battlestar Galactica, Gotham, uh, you know, they have stars from movies there. Uh, Michael Rooker shows up and does an amazing panel. You can go and meet the actors and shake their hand and get pictures. And it's just really fun hanging out with all the fans and talking about the shows and everything. Really, really good time. So if you want to check that out, go to walkerstuckercon.com. Now about this panel, like I said, it was the most cast members from Fear we ever had. It's Kevin Zeggers, who plays Mel, this new bad guy, Danae Garcia, who's Luciana, Jenna Elfman. It was Jenna's first time ever at a fan convention like this. She, she seemed to be having a really good time. Daniel Sharman, who played Troy, I was stoked to be able to talk to him, and he had some pretty cool things to say about Troy neat guy and then coleman domingo one of my favorites ever he's strand and then of course kim dickens who's also super good they're all really cool and she's you know madison so uh i know you guys are going to enjoy this have fun listening i will shut up and let you get to it here we go here we go all right fear the walking dead has just in my opinion been knocking it out of the park lately and I'm really stoked to have more cast members here today on this stage than we've ever had at any Walker Stalker or Fan Fest. So you guys are here at the right time. And let's bring him on out. He plays Mel, a new character. Please welcome to the stage, Mr. Kevin Zeggers. He's Troy, the infamous Troy. Please welcome Daniel Sharman. Now it's yesterday. Yeah, you're good. I'm She's Naomi, or maybe Laura. Let's welcome Jenna Elfman. <laughs> She's Luciana. Please welcome Miss Danae Garcia. And now, Mr. Victor Strand. Please welcome Coleman Domingo to the stage. Woo! And last but not least, the matriarch of the show, she's Madison. Please welcome Miss Kim Dickens. Hello. Bonjour. Hi. Welcome to Nashville, you guys. How's it been going so far? How's the weekend been? It's been awesome. Jenna, this is your first one of these. This is my first official fan convention, so it's nice to meet everybody up close and personal. It's so awesome. Any surprises? Um, um, 
was it like you thought it was going to be? No, actually, what's really cool is how sincere everyone is. I'm just really enjoying the sincerity and the enthusiasm and passion, and I dig it. I just, it's nice to connect with everyone. You know, we're on, like, on set 16 hours a day, and we work hard and love what we're doing, and then to get the response on the other side of the TV and you guys sharing all of your experiences with us, like it means a lot to me and it makes every day on set, it reminds me why I'm doing it. So I just dig it. I dig meeting everyone. It's so cool. Well, we're going to get a little bit more of that sincerity right now because this is about you guys. It's a Q&A. There's a microphone right there. See the volunteer holding her. We only have one because all the other mics in the building are up here on the stage right now. Um, but you can line up behind her. I'm going to ask the first question to, to you guys, mostly for the vets. Um, the show has gone through so much change, and you've had different locations and crews and cast members and now a showrunner. And I just wonder um, what it's like to have all that change for you guys as, you, as the years have passed. Well, you know, it's it's... It was definitely jarring for us, but we've been ro rolling around ever since we started. We were in Los Angeles. We were in Canada. We were in Mexico for a few years. Now we're back in America via Texas. And, you know, showrunner changes and cast changes, it happens. And, you know, we're sort of flexible and creative types anyway. We roll with it. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's just part of how this show has been, right? It's from the start. It feels like the nature of this show. We're, we, we've seen to have been this... Um this traveling group of, you know, misfits, and we go in and we burn things down. You know, so when you see us coming, you should probably run. They're going to kick us out of Texas soon. <laughs> I mean, the other day, uh, the alarm went on here, like, you should leave the building, and they all looked at me, I'm like, I didn't do anything. Please, baby, you need to go. Let's go together. I'm not going to fix anything. <laughs> Before we go to the audience, I have one question that I just got to get asked. Uh, this is for Daniel and Kim. You guys had one of the most crazy scenes I've ever seen where you stuck a spoon in his eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, man, I, I just want to know what it was like to film that and was it uncomfortable? And also, was that one of the first scenes you guys did together? It's just I another, was, another day for Kim Dickens, I think, sticking spoons in people's eyes. It was another work for me and it was completely comfortable for me. <laughs> I was riding around on Daniel Sherman's back for like yeah, two days. Long time. <laughs> I feel like I feel like um, it was actually I, Kim. You seem to got way got way more bruised out of that than I did. I feel like yeah. you had that massive bruise. We're covered in, we were covered in, in pads, and we did all the, our own stunts on the thing. And and by the end of the day, though, the, I had a I looked like a crime scene photo. Yeah, you did. It was, it was the, I didn't, I didn't know, obviously they, they released scripts um, very late in the day. All I knew is uh, when I took the job is that they said, uh, you have to come to have your prosthetic fitted because you're going to have a spoon in your eye. And I went, oh, fucking hell, here we go. Like, <laughs> okay, brilliant. This is going to be fun. And then, and then Kim Dickens just enjoyed it way too much, I think. So that's how it worked then. You just had this kind of spoon fitted to your eye and then she would just hold on to it. Yeah, and... Um, and so the, the, the prosthetics guys did an amazing job of having this thing behind it. And obviously I'm the only person who can't see what that looks like. So I'm walking around and there's just Kim and Alicia going, oh, fuck, you know, oh, Jesus. But, and it moved 
and it like sprayed blood at the same time, didn't it? And then yeah, it cracked. And it cracked. I mean, it was the whole thing was that made such an awful noise. On it must the have socket. been really disgusting in the lunch line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just like walked around. Yeah, nobody sat with time. Daniel those yeah. days. But yeah. you could actually the Ever prosthetic ever. was so amazing because you I could actually slip the spoon in it and move the eye around. Yeah. And that's my oh, real eye that Kim was moving around. How much do we love stuff like that? Let's give, yeah, let's give a big round. <laughs> okay. Hi, what's your name? Where are you from? Uh, Cassandra, and I'm from Fort Campbell, Kentucky. What's and, your question? Uh, my question is uh, for Kim, I guess, or the whole cast. Uh, I was wondering, do you think there's a coincidence between both main characters losing their sons in the same... Uh, the same uh, season. 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 There you go. Thank that, you. That's a great. It's a great question. Um, coincidence? I. I don't know. Maybe so. I mean, we're a sister show, but I just know that sort of loss will propel a parent into um, outer space. Really. So it's a. It's. It's amazing storytelling technique. Yeah. Thank you. How did you guys find out about Frank, and what was your reaction? Well. Um, the end of last season, we knew that Frank has been itching to do some other things. You know, he wants to, he has a, he's a musician, he's an artist, he wants to, you know, he lives, um, his family, his livelihood is in London, and he wanted to be back there. And it, so it's, it's really tough. I mean, as you know, like Legina was saying, we work 16-hour uh, days, we were away in Mexico. It, it requires a lot of you for like six months at a time. And uh, he was just ready to, you know, he, I think he felt like that he exercised as much as he can with this character and he was ready to do something else. And so it was more, it started with that decision. And then, but then it was a stunner when we were like, oh, he's going to go episode it's three. Happening. What? What's happening? Okay, so we were all just like, wait, wait, what's happening? You guys joining us? So you're like, wait, wait, what's going on? We're all like, yeah. hold on, hold on. But also it does resonate within the, the cast and the company because we're all, we're all feeling that way, not only as a company, um, on screen, we're feeling that behind the scenes, the loss of, uh, you know, someone who's been a part of this from the very beginning. Yeah, I think when we finally found out exactly when and how it was going to happen this season, we we were all pretty stunned, and, and a few of us that were together just kind of ended up at Alicia's apartment and just kind of were quiet together. Yeah, when I, I keep, I, a couple of you guys asked me, how, how do you feel? I'm like, I went through three shocks. The, when I got the script, when I shot it, and when I watched it. So I'm like, oh my God, when is this going to stop? So I thought, okay, I'm going to watch it on Sunday. I think I'm ready. So it was a Sunday, and on Monday I have to work. So I usually on Sundays I put like a mask, like a, you know, one of those like masks that you put on and has your eyes like whole. And so I'm like, mask. yes. So I'm like, I put on a mask. I'm like, I'm going to watch the show. I know what's going to happen. And I start crying, and my mask starts doing this. And I'm like, why do I have a hole in there? It's like my nose. It's like, it was like a mess. So I, I was obviously not ready for that. So it, it's, it's, it's shocking because, you know, I love Frank. And Frank is one of the reasons why I joined the show. And he was, you know, I, I learned who Luciana was through Frank. And then I knew who Madison was through Frank. And I knew who Coleman was through Frank. It's like he was the filter to get to know the Clark family and to, and to even get to Texas. So... For me to see him go, I was like, no, no, no. I guess, I mean, with Glenn, the silver lining, even though it's hard, like, man, I, I miss Nick. But uh, if you're his girlfriend, then maybe when 
they die, then that means there's more focus on your character and more development for your character. Did you think about that at all? Like with Maggie on The Walking Dead? Um, Maggie? Oh, yes. Um, sorry, we have a Maggie, but her name is also. I was like, well, you know, I wasn't thinking about that. I think uh, the loss of Nick it was devastating for all of us because his presence meant so much to, to Strand, to Madison, to Alicia. And obviously for me, it was like devastating. But I was just thinking, how can we survive this one? I did, because I, I, even though we knew that Frank wanted to go, I never thought of, okay, how can we move on? I never even thought about that. So now that it happened, we just looked at each other, how are we gonna do this? It's like, uh, it's challenge. Yeah. yeah. Okay, hi. Hello, I'm Brittany, and I was she brought us flowers yes, today. This is my flower, thank I you. I see it. You look very lovely with it. Uh, my question for all of you, as all of your individual characters go through such struggles... Can you get closer to the mic yet? I can't. <laughs> thank you. Um, for all of your individual characters, they all go through so much struggle and different stories and different points. Uh, what has been one of the biggest struggles, respectively, between everyone and their characters throughout the whole story so far? In terms of the act, us as actors or in terms of the characters? Both. Wow, that's a long question. Either or. Either or, yes. You, Kevin, just start. Oh, I haven't talked, no, no, you don't need to hear from me, I'm fine. <laughs> I, you just met me, I got, I, the, I'm still developing, so. Uh, With, although I did take a bite out of one of those, um, those shitty hot dogs and uh they were they were not good um so the development of my uh, my palate is probably as far as i've gone thus far but um yeah so hey wait, wait i want to ask you with you it seems like when you're the, the challenge might be you know oh here's a villain and he's threatening to take everyone's stuff. It's Negan, it's another Negan. And then you had to kind of quickly differentiate yourself, which I think he has, but did you think about that, that people might just equate you with Negan? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's easy to assume that a villain is, uh, behaves a certain way, and I think the great thing about when the idea was introduced to me of this character was just, I think he's just very practical. I, 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 don't think he, um, I don't think he's intending to be frightening or to be disrespectful even. I, I think he, uh, he's very practically telling them that things are going to end badly. And, um, you know, I, I, I prefer characters who don't come in sort of beating their chest. And uh, I don't find that very frightening. The people I find really terrifying are the people who are well-spoken and thoughtful and, you know, three-dimensional people and who may just have a screw loose. And I think ultimately Mel is probably more on that spectrum and I just think it's more fun to play. And I think the scenes are richer with the two of us because it's still two human beings talking to each other and I think it's not me trying to intimidate her. I think he's just giving her information and I think uh, our dynamic especially ends up working because of that, because it's not... Uh, it's not forced, and it's not. There's no uh, subtext or, or posturing, which I like. It does seem a little creepier because he's not so much. I'm a villain, though. Sometimes. Yeah, and uh, to me, I, I'm you know I'm five foot nine, standing on a ladder, so it's not like I'm scary um, to to stand in front of. So I, I just it doesn't work for me. So once I knew I was doing it, um, I don't know how they had initially conceived it, but 
you know, I have to make it work for me as an actor and uh, for me as a human being. And so, I, you know, I, I got to figure out a way to get into it that way. And the best way was to sort of for him to be emotionally manipulative and uh, maybe even a little charming. And, you know, he's trying his best to, to get what he wants without having to hurt anybody. And I like that. Any other challenges? I, I can say just briefly for me, my character comes in and she has a tremendous secret and a backstory which you can sense but you don't know what it is and I found it interesting as an actor usually when you're playing a scene you have like a forward moving agenda or some goal or purpose as a character in a scene of what you want to accomplish and for me so much of it which tonight and next week's episode a lot of my backstory comes out and you really start to find out my character is like withholding herself and keeping herself from Madison. I mean, she's there because she saved her life and it's a safe place, but it's like I'm, my character is really uncomfortable and you don't really know why. And I found that actually a tremendous challenge to play a reverse motion as a character rather than a forward-moving like agenda in the scenes. And it was actually quite uncomfortable and after I had the episode where it all comes out, I felt so much more able to move forward, which as an actor and the character. And it was kind of amazing to sort of have both those things, experience both at the same time. Yeah, you're a big mystery right now. Did you know the whole backstory when you were playing the first couple of episodes? Yeah, I knew, I knew everything. But you had to be a mystery, so you couldn't really... Yeah, but it was nice because as an actor, I could choose where I would uh, reveal certain emotions or certain looks to certain characters at certain times to just kind of subliminally tell the story or give the audience a certain sensation or something. Jeffrey D. Morgan, ladies Hi. and gentlemen. <laughs> He's in such good shape. But yeah, um, I, I just, it was, yeah. Cool. All that right. That vegan diet. Thank you. Next. Hi, um, I want to start by saying, Coleman, I was at your table earlier, and I was so nervous. I don't even know what I said. I just walked away feeling embarrassed. But now that I've had a few drinks, I'm acting like a normal human now. <laughs> so my question is really for anybody, but has there ever been a time where you read a script and maybe you had a hard time getting into character Maybe you felt the line wasn't what your character would say or how they would act? Yes, first of all, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> we didn't get a chance to say that to each other, so thank you for coming by and saying hi. You can all come by and say hi too, by the way. I'll be back there later. And so with the rest of these guys. But anyway, but I wanted to say that, you know what, it's interesting because we had um, a, new, a new writing team, a new showrunners for this season. And so you're sort of, you know, they're passing the baton off from the other writers who knew our voices. And there are times when, you know, some, some of the writing may, you know, jostle you just a hair. You're like, wait a minute. In the first, I will tell you, the first few scenes um, that Strand had, I was being very obvious about my feelings. And I thought, that's the oddest thing. I'm like, Strand has never just said, oh, this is how I feel, exactly. And so I just said, you know, as it's our responsibility as actors as well to sort of, you're beholden to your character and your story. And so I just, you know, I, I, I approached it by just asking the question, are we clear that this is the way we want Strand to be now? Because maybe, is it a definite choice 
or just to know that it's a choice that we're doing because the, the character we've built is a bit more subtle about his feelings and what he needs and is a little bit more mis mysterious. And so we had to really just adjust some of the writing in that way because we're like, oh, so they had to be aware. They're like, oh, no, no, no. We know that that's what he's feeling, but now we need to subvert that just a bit. So it, it is a dance, and sometimes you just have to dance and go with your writing team uh, and the director as well. And so you sort of, you know, but you go with it. You know, and there are times, but I think there are times when you read scripts that, Maybe don't, don't appeal to you or don't understand your way into it. And maybe, you know, you have to unlock something else or maybe it's just not for you. So it's just like you never know. Coleman, one of my favorite scenes with, with Strand is when you're quoting famous last words with the Russian cosmonaut. And I wondered if you had anything to do with the creation of that scene since you're a playwright. I'm a playwright, but I had nothing to do with that. That was all the writing team. It was written so beautifully um, was but it Jamie O'Brien? I think wrote it was. That? Uh, no, I think that was um, the one who was the poet, the uh, uh, Alan. Oh, Alan Page. Alan, Alan, Alan Page yes. wrote that, and he he is a poet, yes, yeah. and so and he really knew Strand and the way he um, communicated. And I thought it was a nice private moment. It was um, our first time, I think, as an audience to see Strand just within himself, yeah. and what how he uh, loves language, how his where his passion is, where his heart is where his vulnerability is, because he's not in relation to anyone else. So I thought that was a very uh, key episode to understanding Strand. I thought it was amazing. I loved that scene. I, for me, when I was watching that, I was like, wow, like, his, like how he uses semantics to connect to his emotions. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yes. Were you already watching, or did you go back and binge it? I binged everything of both shows. <laughs> I've seen everything of both shows. Hi. Hi, my question's for Kim. Why, why did it... Why did, Hi. Oh, Hi. Happy Sunday. Hey, how you guys? Hey. Hey. <laughs> Woo! Happy Mother's Day, Norman. <laughs> Continue, my friend. That's okay. I was just wondering why Madison let Troy go back at the ranch. Uh, you mean before she killed him with a hammer? Yeah. <laughs> all right, Kim, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why she didn't kill him before, before. multiple I mean, times. so cute. She just gave him another. I, mean, she, I think Madison really saw the charm and the potential that Troy had to, to use his darker, his darker demons to excel and to really be a leader and to, and to get to the front of the game, you know. But, but I think once he really put everyone in, in harm's way for the final time, and her daughter included, I think that just she realized that had to be it. And it was so, hammer time. And it was hammer time. <laughs> it was hammer time. Daniel, how would you describe Troy? Oh, um, in love with Madison. Com confused, yeah. In love with Madison. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I think the thing that you have to really like that was very interesting about Troy is that, and the thing that I really loved about playing him is like he hasn't had any contact with human beings before this, and so when you watch him, you're he's learning as he's going how relationships, how you know, he's having his adolescence at the same time as everybody is already, you know, in a, an apocalypse. So his brain is just taking on so much information. So he, he comes out in these very confusing ways. But I thought that was a really interesting way of writing a character who has not 
been integrated into society and is learning how those thing how those things work and when you know he's constantly pushing boundaries not because he loves pushing boundaries but just doesn't know how far certain things go and so i think the confusing aspect of it is just somebody who's like oh that reaction you know that reaction produces this and or this happens when i do that and i think that's always a a joy to play he I do a podcast about all things Walking Dead, and I think uh, Troy, you could say, has some psychotic tendencies. I don't know if you would say that, but some other you people might. You could say that. <laughs> but there are plenty of listeners who would write in in support of Troy, because you just played it so damn charmingly. Okay. And I want to know how you feel about that. You must have gotten some feedback like that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think people really relate to the idea of, like, of course, he arrives on the scene and he feels like this very malevolent, you know, thing. But I think, as Kevin said, like, all, people are just people, you know. The, the, the grayness of people comes in the fact that they are both aspects. You know, nobody is born evil and nobody is entirely evil. There are really big aspects that, you know, that, that they just subverted in some way. And, um, and so that's always a really interesting thing is, is that people kind of go, oh, I relate to that being misunderstood, I relate to that, or, um, or you know, I, I, I love someone so much that I don't know how to show them that. You know, people relate to those things really heavily, and so I think that's why, what, what people loved about him. Yeah, you could see some vulnerability there sometimes. For sure, like, you know, he's, he's really broken, but is, you know, it's still working it out at the same time. Amazing. Hi, next. Hello. Hi. What's your name? My name's Natasha. And my question is for Coleman. Um, as a fellow theater person, I noticed that you have a very broad theater history as well as movies. So how is this transition going into television? How is this transition going into television? I'm still transitioning, I guess. I, th I think I, I don't even transition. I just go back and forth. Uh, I'm also a writer and a director. And um, actually, I, I have a musical that I co-wrote the book of on Broadway right now. So which shows that I'm still like, so what's called Summer, the Donna Summer musical. So when you're in New York, go and check it out. And uh, thank you. And, uh, and, but I always keep, it's always been important to me to keep, um, you know, when you're an artist, you're an artist. And it doesn't matter the platform, I think. I think that we all sort of, we still like, you know, I know Jenna has a dance background as well. She's still very much interested in dance. You know, we have writers, we have directors, we have, you know, everyone, you know, we have another dancer right here. Everyone's still, we're still engaging in how do we just tell the story, you know? So, and I think that's very just important to any artist. And so I'm always keeping my, my one foot in theater and uh, in other mediums as well. Thank you. He's a great director. He's a great director. I just directed episode 412, which, which featured Jenna and uh, Maggie Grace, and we had a great time. Awesome. Awesome. Hi. Uh, first, I want to just wish everyone, either on stage or in the audience, a happy Mother's Day, if you are a mother. Hey, happy Mother's and, Day. Uh, I also, I wanted to ask Jenna, what should we call you on the show? Naomi, Laura, or something else? Um, you can call me Sally. You can call me. Uh, all I could say to that is just keep watching. Fair play. Yeah. I, I, can you tell us what it was like to film that water slide stuff? Ooh, yeah. Well, it was really funny. My mom called me and she was like, oh, God, that was so slimy and disgusting. Was it dangerous and so slippery? 
I was like, Mom, it was green paint. I had to act slippery. Um, it was really fun. It was really cold because um, it was a, an extremely cold winter in Austin. So we had, you know, in the sequence of filming, so we had crossed through the disgusting walker pool. And so our characters are now wet. So now the entire week, every scene we filmed, we had to stay wet because every moment thereafter, we're wet. So we were wet in 30 degree weather doing these stunts outside for 15 hours a day. So it was super challenging, really awesome, really fun because we have great stunt coordinators and we get to do all our own stunts within, you know, logical reason and not breaking bones. But um, we had to like fake the slipperiness. Um, it was super disgusting, you know, when we had to walk through all the green goopy water. Um, and then sliding into the thing was really fun because you actually got to slide down and that was cool. Um, but then it was really, I had a lot of achy muscles. That's what I'm going to say. A lot of Epsom salts. That's what that was like. Awesome. Hello. Hello. I'm Daniel. Uh, of course, like everybody, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I got a buddy that I got to binge watch all the shows and it was his birthday and uh, his favorites is Kim and Coleman. I was just wondering if y'all would allow me to record you and saying happy birthday to him. Absolutely. Uh, his name is Josh. Are you ready? You ready? Oh, yeah. We're not going to say it. We're going to just say it, right? Okay. Yeah. One, Josh, right? Happy yeah. birthday, Josh. One, two, three. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Josh. Give him some applause, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, when I count to three, I'll, can we say happy birthday, everyone else whose birthday it is? One, two, three. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, everyone else everybody. whose birthday it is. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. My question is for the veterans. When the new cast members came on, did you do anything special to welcome them? And Jenna, how is doing this show different from other things you've done? The first thing we had to do was go to a place called Terry Black's, Terry Black's. <laughs> for some ribs. Yes. We had to get everybody together and have a family dinner. Yes. You know, Austin, Texas style. Yes. Yeah. And it was fun because, I mean, we, we, we got to Austin. It's the first time we are in Austin. We had to find places to live. We, they, you know, they had to also find places to live. But we, we were, like, trying to catch up with each other. We just had hiatus. And now new showrunners, new story. I'm like, ah. So finally, Coleman is like, Let's have dinner. <laughs> we need to sit down. And, and, and it was so great because we actually sat down without blood in our heads or, you know, whatever. And not like after 17 hours of work, we really like enjoy that Saturday or Sunday. And, and, and we got to know each other a little bit more, uh, not about the characters, but about each other. Uh, Garrett, uh, which plays uh, John Dory, his wife was visiting, so we got to meet his lovely wife. So it was like more personal, more, more, more fun. And, and that was the first thing we did right away. And it really bonded us because, you know, we, right away when we knew, okay, season four starts, we're going to Austin, we knew that new characters will come. So how can we like make them part of the family? That was like, it all started with Coleman. I wasn't invited. What? I wasn't either. Me neither. You were no, not I'm there. Just, no, I'm just kidding. I was invited. I wasn't there. No, he totally invited us. Yes, awesome. yes, yes. I don't remember what you asked me, though. Um, How is doing this show different from oh. other things you've done? Denai and I were talking at length at dinner last night about just that. 
And, um, you know, at first I thought I had this whole theory like comedy and drama and it's same belief, but, you know, you just turn it on its side a little. And then now that I actually have been knee deep on this, it's completely different. It's an utterly different mental and artistic architecture in terms of how I approach the scenes, how I approach the emotional beats. And, and it's, it's spectacular. It's so satisfying. I'm really enjoying myself. You're doing great. Thank you. Next. Earlier, earlier you mentioned that you work 12 hours a day for like six months straight. More like 14 hours. 14, sometimes 17. Okay, 14, 17. It's not like you get weekends off either, right? Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you work on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yes. My question actually is, are any of your family members, husbands, wives, children, allowed to be with you wherever it is you are filming? Allowed? Yeah, you can, you can bring who you want. We need them there. <laughs> you, you, need, you need all that support, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of it. Like, my son comes, like, on the weekend and on, on the winter break and spring break. And it's like, he's, he, you know, he's part of it. I just like, my son is coming. Oh, great. Like, it's, it's part of the, the journey. And now we went to Mexico. Like, yeah, we like to have loved ones come and visit. And yeah. they, you, you need that. And because we work so hard, you need, you need, and you need to also be able to. The balance. Yeah, you need the balance of that. Well, we work hard, was, but we also need loved ones around. I was wondering about that because my husband has worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week for months on end, and I get real lonely. <laughs> well, you have to go and visit him at work. <laughs> if only. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, it's not necessarily a question, but I know I'm not a Blutz and Gore person. But this show attracted me because of the many different personalities, traits, uh, mental status, and so on. Uh, the emotions between people and how different people react to different situations. And it's a phenomenal show. You all do really great, and we thank you for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, uh, I'm Shane from Wisconsin. Good to see you. My question would be for any one of you, but especially those that have been on the show longer. Have you ever taken, been given, or taken some sort of souvenir, a prop, or an item from the show that meant a lot to you and just kind of squirreled it away or kept it for yourself? Eyeball, spoon. <laughs> You kept your eyeball? My spoon, yeah. <laughs> really? I breakfast with it every morning, Kim. <laughs> I have a piece of the Abigail. So once, we, once they got rid of the Abigail, they gave a piece of it, a piece of the, the steel. Nice. Anybody take else? anything? Take anything? No, we don't take anything. <laughs> Sometimes at the end of the season, I'll be like, I love this T-shirt. Can I have this? Well, you, you, Thank you. for me, almost everything is like, you know, full of dirt and gore. And I'm just like, I don't want to take that. I don't want to look at it on our break. <laughs> you want to just leave it there. Kevin, I want to ask you, you're in my all-time favorite zombie movie, Dawn of the Dead remake, 2004 by Zack Snyder. 
Who liked that? Yeah. And I, just I, any details on what it was like to be a part of that? Um, God, it was a long time ago. I was in high school, so... Um, uh, I mean, I just remember it being a lot of fun. I, I, I was... Zach had never really directed a movie. I, he was a commercial director, so... Um, I remember it feeling small. I mean, uh, the, the effects were great. I mean, it made it a lot easier actually coming to this because there's sometimes 100, 200 of these uh, extras, the walkers, and it's, it can be jarring if you haven't seen it before. And I, I, thankfully, I'd been in a situation where there were people like that, so it wasn't quite as distracting as it could have been. But I just remember it being a lot of fun and really good people. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it was, it was a long time ago. It's like 15 years ago. So um, It must have been kind of a trip to see how Zack Snyder's career went after that. Huh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the movie was great, so it, it wasn't surprising that, uh, that people, uh, that, that he's had the career he's had. But I'm trying to talk them into doing a, a remake of that movie. So, yeah. That'd be awesome. Love that movie. Hi, what's your name? Hi, I'm Lisa from Michigan. My question is, when are they going to reveal what started the apocalypse? And if they're not going to reveal it, what's your theory? Was it a virus, environmental, terrorism? Are they ever going to say what started? You just have to keep watching. Tune in tonight. <laughs> and then next week and the week after. I think you should just write a letter to Robert Kirkman and ask him. In Coleman's episode, it's all revealed. All, all of revealed. Everything, like how it happened, keep what watching. happened. I mean, it's been established it's a virus. It was a virus that is already inside everyone. I mean, it's, that's established. But. Do you think the characters would think about it that much? No. Not when you're trying to not get killed. No, when you're other, running away. There's other triage right in front of you. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Yeah, they just don't know. No one knows. And I think Robert Kirkman has said they're never going to say. I think he said that. It's not the point of it, I guess. Thank you. What do you think? What do you think it is? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't Be matter. more passionate about um, not knowing. <laughs> some pharmaceutical company or something slipped something. Gone wrong. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> Next. Hi. Hi. I'm Marita. I'm Marita, and this is my sister. We're from Pittsburgh. Hey. Um, Obviously, love you guys. Always loved you, Coleman. Met you yesterday. Love you even more now. Thank you. I love totally you, obsessed. too. Thank you. Totally obsessed with you. Anyway, um, how do you... What was it? Oh, how do you um, feel about the crossover with uh, Lenny James? Feels good. Lenny's a pro. He's great to work with. He's, um, I think, a great ad for the show. He's got... You know, you know more about him than we do. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting as well, too. You're like, oh, you know so much about his backstory. We have no idea. Strange is like, True. who's this guy? Yeah. All right. Absolutely, me too. I'm like, I don't know where you come from. I don't care. I, I just, just gonna, you're gonna all I know is that you it. have a stick. That's yes, all I know. That's about. all I know. What do you do with that? <laughs> well, you know what I found interesting about Morgan and Lenny, and I talked to him about it, and I said, what made you come here? And he's like, well, I just want to do things that Morgan wouldn't do in The Walking Dead. 
I, I, I don't want to repeat what I already done. I, I think in this universe, it, I would never repeat what, it, what has happened. Yeah. So because this is a different set of rules. I mean, this is a different mindset, although it's the same universe. And I found that, you know, his choice for wanting to do this really clever. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I mean, your reasons why. And for me personally, I, in television, you don't get to, to have crossovers unless you're you, you come from the Marvel Universe, <laughs> that you have Superman and Spider-Man together, and then they have their own movies. Here it's like, oh wow, we have a guy that everybody adores and loves come to our universe, and we have no idea who that is. I w What's also good about that, cool. that um, Morgan's character, as you know in the comic book, was supposed to end, basically, in The Walking yeah. Dead as well. And he now gets to live on even yeah. more so, and keep expanding in this universe, which is awesome. Yeah, and branch out. His Absolutely. And also affect these characters. He's had quite a background, an amazing journey, and he brings that journey, his, all of the things he's gone through on walking come over, and there's all these little parables on how he starts affecting each of the characters on this show because of who, he's, who he is now and because of all the extreme experiences he's had. And all of the characters on this show are like hitting these dark places that he's been to. And so it's how Morgan carrying that experience that he's been through, how he starts affecting all the other characters as they start bumping into some really dark places that he's already touched upon and what happens as a result of that. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you. Thank you. We got one more question. Hey there. Hi, I'm Tanya. I'm from St. Louis. And my question is for Kim. You play a really great um, character on Sons of Anarchy, and my husband gets confused when you play a role that's not that character. So when you came Wait. on, I know, it's crazy. Your husband gets confused when I'm not playing a hooker. Pretty much. <laughs> so There's well, still time that's just me. She's a mom. <laughs> I think the thing is, is like when you're a nice person, so like on Start of Fear, you were really nice before you kind of went nuts. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> to put it nicely. Are we going to use the word nuts? I, no, I'm not. Why are you going to judge? I know. I'm not judging. I'm using his words. He's not here because he let us have a Mother's Day weekend. Because he's scared of me. <laughs> Pretty much. No. Um, so how do you like playing nice characters versus... Um, not, not so nice. as nice. <laughs> I'm not sure who's nice and who's not nice, the hooker or the badass mom. Well, I think you're nice on both shows. My hooker has a heart, heart of gold, and I think right. Madison has a heart of gold. Right. I, I think Madison's, you know, part of the challenge of, of this character for me was playing um, the transition from a high school counselor who is a really good-hearted healer of a woman and transitioning into how to survive the apocalypse and save my family and but also in the first version of madison she had a secret which was that she all had already killed in her life so i mean for me it's i like playing complicated and complex and flawed because i think we all are that you know we're all not hookers and murderers and things like that but i like playing those characters i think they're so rich and there's so many places to go with them did that answer any of that question? Yeah, it's just, he just doesn't see you as a sweet character. So anytime, <laughs> anytime we see you on something and you're not I'm not that gritty, sweet on, on fear. I, I she cuts off heads on fear. That's well, not nice. 
compared to her other character, you know, it, yeah. she's a, she was started out nicer, yeah. I guess. So tell your tell well, your tell husband have an open mind. My, tell him to go through my whole repertoire. He needs to just you know he, download he everything. I've, I've showed him other things, and he's like, I don't, I just, I just don't see her as anybody else. But <laughs> the hooker. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I wanted to come to Hollywood. <laughs> All right, we're going to end it there. Uh, let's give these guys a huge hand of applause. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Great to have all you guys here. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Line up, you guys. Can we do a picture with a cast picture?